everyone. My name is One Mokatle. If you don't know me, I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors at Rooted Fellowship. We are in part seven of our series in the book of Mark. Today we're going to be looking at chapter four, the first 34 verses, and there's a lot of good things happening in here. Now, if you've been following with us, you would notice that as Jesus is making his way from village to village and town to town, he engages a variety of people. In fact, there's three groups of people that Jesus speaks to. It's either the crowd, the critic, or the disciples. Now, now the crowds are, are those who were coming to Jesus because they just wanted to get something from him. They didn't necessarily want him, but they wanted something from him. The critics were those who were offended by Jesus and what he was teaching. And so they would oppose him at every opportunity. And then there were the disciples, those who were following Jesus. Now, I mention this because I believe it's important as we hear the scriptures unpack week in and week out, it's important to figure out who you are. How are you listening to Jesus? Are you part of the crowd? Are you a critic? Or are you a disciple? And so today's teaching, what we're going to see is Jesus unpacking, teaching us what it looks like for someone to hear the gospel and to respond to it. How the gospel engages a person. And Jesus is going to use parables. Now, if you follow Jesus' teaching, you will quickly pick up that he loves to tell parables or parabole in the Greek. It sounds like the word parallel, which simply means to come alongside. Jesus uses parables that come alongside what he is teaching. It supports his teachings. Jesus's Parables were stories that were put alongside a truth in order to illustrate that truth. These parables were teaching aids and can be thought of as extended analogies or inspired comparisons. Some like to say a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I love that. And so in our text today, we're going to see four parables, but we're actually only going to look at one. And, and here's why. I believe that if you understand the first one, then you will totally get the three. And so we're going to spend most of our time just looking at the one. Now, let me uh, set the scene here. That there are four characters in this parable. And these four characters will help us navigate through this text. They'll act like rails or handles to hold on to as we unpack what this parable means for us today. And so character number one is the sower. The sower. This is the individual who brings the good news of the gospel. That's character one. Character two is the soil. The soil is us. Us as human beings, to be specific, the soil is the human heart. And soil, much like dirt, the dust from the ground, by itself cannot produce anything. It's dirt. 
I love the fact that Jesus uses the soil to, to talk about the human heart. I mean, he, he's pulling from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Here's what it says. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. On our own, as dirt, we cannot produce anything. If you take a handful of dirt and you put it in a bag or you put it in a bucket and you leave it in the corner somewhere, does nothing. Nothing happens to it. It has to be cultivated. And then something has to be put in it for us to produce anything. And so, in the beginning, what does God do to us? The dust of the ground, if I continue to read the rest of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, that something had to be put into the dirt, into us, so that we might live. Now, most of us would know how the rest of the story went, that we were given a mandate as humanity, Adam and Eve, we were given a mandate to be fruitful and multiply the earth. And in that, we were given one rule, one rule, and we broke it. And in breaking that rule, Evil entered the world, and that became the journey of our need to be rescued from sin, death, and Satan. But stay with me, because God had a plan. He had a plan, but we'll get to that in a moment. So character two is the soil, which is our hearts. Character three is the seed, and that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hashtag the rescue plan. Character four, the fruit, the evidence that the seed which the gospel brings to our lives. And so with those characters in mind, let's jump into the text. Jesus says to us that when the gospel is presented, there are four kinds of soil. There are four kinds of hearts. And so let's take a look at them. Soil number one, remember, heart number one is a hard heart. We see this in verse 15. Jesus says, some are like the word sown on the path, where they hear immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. You see, the, the farmer's fields in ancient Palestine were long and narrow, often divided by little paths which became beaten as hard as solid concrete by the feet of people, the hooves of animals, and the wheels of carts that went over them. The seeds simply bounced on these paths or were swept back and forth by the wind. These beaten paths represent the hardened hearts of those who hear the word of God but want nothing to do with him. The cry of their hearts is, leave me alone. There are things out there that are more important than what God has to say to me. There is no interest in God whatsoever. Life is just simply crowded with other things. And so as the truth bounces around on the surface of some of these lives, Satan comes and snatches this life-giving seed and flies off. 
this ground, this heart, needs to be broken up. Often the plowing that is needed in is some form of pain or stress or pressure in life that softens that hardened surface. It softens it to the relevancy and the necessity of God's truth. In fact, some of you would know this. This is how grace came to your life. That life's hardships made us ready and open to God's word and made us receptive to the invitation of the gospel. Because for the first time, we had nowhere else to go. That nothing else could satisfy us. That we needed that hardship in our lives to soften up our hearts. This is when the hardness of God is kinder than the softness of man. And oh, how some of us need that. It sounds harsh, but it's necessary. Necessary so that this seed might be able to take root in our hearts. And so I'm praying. I'm praying and believing that God will use this this difficult season that we are in to break and soften hearts so that many, many, many may be open to receiving the good news of the gospel. That is my prayer, that we would not waste this pandemic, but that many might receive the good news of Jesus. But, But in the parable, that's the first soil, that's the first heart. It's a hard heart. The second soil is a shallow heart. A shallow heart. We see this in verses 16 and 17. Jesus explains, And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Now, again, in Palestine, much of the land had a a five to eight centimeter uh, coating of soil over a limestone bedrock. This is where uh, some of the seeds, according to Jesus' parable, fell. They landed there, and then the warm sun quickly heats the seed that is on the shallow soil, and then the seed sprouts in enthusiastic growth. And as the sun continues to beat down, the plant's roots grow only to meet the hard bedrock. And then, with nowhere to go, it simply withers and dies. I sadly know way too many stories like this. It's stories that tend to end with so-and-so after a challenging difficulty, whether it was a hard life circumstance or having to wrestle with a difficult theological doctrine, so-and-so has now walked away from the faith. Now, the, the problem was he or she had a shallow emotional response to Jesus, which never penetrated their entire heart their souls were never truly impacted by the gospel. When, as Jesus puts it, distress or persecution came, instead of a dependence on God, there was a fist to the heavens with an attitude that says, how dare you? 
which then led to the rejection of God. Friends, the the crowds uh, that we saw in the previous weeks, the, the crowds are the ones who fall victim to this too often. They experience something of God's power, but not true conversion. They come to Jesus for what he gives and, and for not, not for who he is. Focusing too much on signs and miracles can quickly make us treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle or an ATM. We can fall into the trap of believing that Jesus' death and resurrection acquires for us a Jesus who now does party tricks for us on our request. And so this is why Mark warns us. He warns us about being careful that you're not just part of the crowd but you are part of Christ, that you come to Jesus for Jesus. Let me, let me say this real quick, and this one is, is for free. And that is, if, if God was to give you Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and nothing else, if that was all that you were to receive, God giving you Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit Nothing else, not your ambitions, not your dreams, not your desires, not your visions. God would still remain God. A God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Because he has given you his son. And that, friends, hear me, that is the greatest miracle ever. Let us not miss it. And oh, how the shallow hearts Miss it. But let's go on to soil number three, the divided heart. Uh, This is one I believe many of us fall into, the divided heart. This is the seed that falls upon thorny soil. Read with me verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, others are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of For other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You see, here the thorn bushes aren't always visible, but don't be fooled, they are there, hiding in the shadows, waiting for an opportune moment when the seed sown on this soil, then watered, and begins to sprout, the well-established thorns also sprout and grow with a hazardous aggressiveness, choking out the grain before it can produce any fruit. The thorns, Jesus explained, represented the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. This described a divided heart, a heart divided by incompatible loyalties, This heart makes some gestures towards Christ, but the worries of this age, the distractions of this life, take it back further and further and further away from Christ. This heart is is pulled in all other directions, leaving no room for spiritual growth. The deceitfulness of wealth, another issue or what is commonly known as keeping up with the Jones, or the Smiths, or the Buertas, or the Naidus, or the Sibanyonis. 
I thought I'd make that illustration somewhat transcultural. It's, it's this pursuit of having it all, having the good life, your best life now. And this involves buying things you don't need to impress people you don't like with money you don't have. And oh, how we fall victim to this. This, friends, this is the divided heart. A heart which is overcome with the love for private equity accounts, the success of corporate South Africa, the prestige of a magna cum laude degree, the five-bedroom house with the cottage at the back. Now, 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 I know I'm going to get some emails, and so hear me out. I'm not saying those things are bad. They're not. In fact, I pray for many of you that the Lord would bless you with those things. But when those things become an ultimate thing, that, that thing, that, that thing that you cannot live without, that if you don't have, that you, your life is over, when they become that thing, those things will suck you dry and they will leave you for dead. And so take a moment. Take a moment. Ask yourself, what, what is that thing? Or, or what are those things that are causing a barrier between you and God? And oftentimes, those things are good things. I want you to think about it for a moment. Because God, God in this moment might be calling you to lay down those things so that you might take up Christ. Because you cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. A divided heart. But then we get to the fourth soil, the fruitful heart. This is the seed that lands on good soil, the fruitful heart. Verse 20, and those like seed sown on good ground, hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit. 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. See, the seed of God's word here does not bounce off the surface of this heart. It does not briefly flourish only to shrivel under hardship. It is not divided by competing desires and smothers. It's a heart that allows God's word to take deep root in it. And it goes on to produce fruit. It produces first a harvest of character. A harvest of character through the work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Many of you know it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It produces a godly character. Then, doesn't stop there, then it produces a harvest of good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And so let me ask you this question. If you are a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith today, if you're saying, no, 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 I have received this seed, this good news, this gospel, it has taken root in my heart. Let me, let me ask you a couple questions. 
Are you struggling to be loving? Do you feel like you're missing out on joy, true joy? Is peace lacking in your life? Are you impatient at the moment? Maybe that's a question I should ask your kids or your spouse or your housemate. Are you impatient? Do you have any goodness in the tank? Do you feel depleted in that area? Are you a repeated offender when it comes to being unfaithful? Are you asking yourself, gentle for who? Gentle for what? Maybe let's talk about self-control. Maybe you're like me. Self-control left the building when the lockdown was extended. Some of you are probably thinking on a stop. I mean, if that's, if that's kind of the first set of fruits, then just stop. Let's not talk about good works and unless you're referring to Netflix and chill because then I'm killing it. The Holy Spirit in this moment is not just knocking on the door of your heart. He is in the living room. His feet are on your coffee table. He's getting personal with you and he's just asking you some questions. He's examining your life because you say that you have, uh, have professed to be a Christian, that you have received the good news of the gospel. And so are you bearing fruit? This is not a judgmental question, but it's one that we must ask because the scriptures ask us this. And it's an important one to ask because in that there is evidence that I have been saved. And so maybe a question to ask is, is how, how does a seed bear fruit? I have the seed in my heart. The gospel is in my heart. But how, how, on, how does a seed bear fruit? Well, this is a question that I love to ask my five-year-old as we make our way through the garden. And her response is always the same. How does this seed that we have just planted, how will it grow to bear fruit? Well, we water it. We water it. And so how do we bear fruit? By watering the seed that is in our hearts. Maybe I should make it more simple. Here we go. You want to bear fruit in your life? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. You see, we come to Jesus to follow Jesus. That's why we respond to the gospel, to follow Jesus. Don't just be part of the crowd. Don't just be a critic, be a disciple. That's what Jesus is calling us to, to follow him. And to be honest, in the text, I didn't see it at first, but it's there, it's quite clear. At first, it sounds strange, but actually it's quite brilliant. Jesus says, hey, you will bear much fruit if you follow me. Look with me in verses 10 to 12. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that, hear me, they may indeed look and yet not, yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Jesus here is quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus is saying, I speak this way, 
right? This is what he's saying. I speak this way so that some will understand and others will not. Now, I hope you're confused because I was. I was like, wait, hold on. What? What is Jesus saying here? It sounds like Jesus doesn't want everyone to come to faith. It sounds like that's what he's saying. Now, before you panic, I want us to take notice of the contrast that Jesus makes here. I want us to notice the difference. You see, when the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was saying, they went to him and asked. They went to him and asked. When they were like, I have no idea what's going on here, they simply went to him and asked. See, parables in many ways function as filters. They examine the the heart, asking the question, do you want God or are you after the things that God will give you? See, when we cry out, I don't understand. I I don't understand what's in here. When, When we cry that out, then go to Jesus. Not to the next best-selling help book. Not to your favorite motivational podcast. Not to Simangmang's old-school proverb. No, go to Jesus. You want answers? Go to the teacher. That is how you water the seed. Now, I want us to take notice of one thing before we close. Take notice that Jesus uses a seed to describe the word of God, to describe the gospel. A seed, small, seemingly insignificant, powerless. Take a mustard seed, small, seemingly insignificant, powerless. But when planted in firm, cultivated foundation, it can become a large, strong, fruitful tree. See, Jesus was considered an irrelevant, powerless man from a small village. But Jesus is not an irrelevant, powerless man. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the conqueror of sin, death, and Satan. Jesus is the gospel, the good news that reconciles us to God, our Father, and secures for us eternal life. And hear me, if you are a child of God, this gospel dwells in you. And not only does it dwell in you, it grows in you, and it produces fruit. And so let me, let me close our time with two questions, two simple questions that you can ask yourself every day as you come to the scriptures. These are two helpful questions. Question number one, have you received and welcomed the seed? To put it simply, have you received the gospel? Not just hearing it, but receiving it. Are you the soil that is, that is cultivated and ready to hear the good news of the gospel? Uh, maybe you're hearing this for the first time and you're wondering, what should my response be? Maybe I am one of those first three seeds and I, I, maybe I've hardened my heart previously. Maybe, maybe I'm shallow and I'm excited about what God has to give me, but I haven't fully committed to him. Maybe you're divided. Maybe you're like, I want a little bit of God and a little bit of this. You've made God a part-time lover and he is not. When God comes to you, he wants all of you. And so the response is not only to hear, but to receive. To to simply go, I I, I am in desperate need of a savior. 
to, to, to come with your hands wide open and hearts wide open and say, God, would you do a work that only you can do in my life? Have you received the good news of the gospel and have you welcomed it in all of your life? That's the first question. The second question is for those who answered yes to the first. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You're like, no, 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 I am a Christian. Then here's my question to you. Are you positioning yourself to receive as much water as possible for godly fruitfulness? Uh, Let me read it to you again. Are you positioning yourself to receive as much water as possible for godly fruitfulness? I I love that. I love the fact that, that here's how we grow. We show up to Jesus and we posture ourselves in such a way that goes, I'm ready to receive. I'm receiving all of you. I want all of you. It's the same as we we come to Jesus to follow Jesus. Jesus, where are you going? That's where I'm going to be. Even if it looks like I'm unsure of exactly what lies ahead, but because Jesus, you are there, I will follow. Are you positioning yourself to receive as much water as possible for godly fruitfulness? You want to grow? You want to bear fruit? then you have to posture yourself in such a way that you are receiving from Jesus. And while there are look, many ways, I could, I could spend a whole sermon unpacking a variety of ways that we receive this water, that we are watered, that we water the seed that is in our heart. Let me give you three, and then I'll get out of your way. Number one is get in the Word. When was the last time you... You read your Bible. I mean, really read your Bible. You opened it up and you said, God, teach me, show me, guide me, lead me. To come to God, to his word out of devotion. And this is something that I, I, I have to be careful. When I, when I prepare God's word, I have to say, God, I'm coming to you first out of devotion. Not because I want to teach something or I want to preach something. No, 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 that's secondary. I'm coming to your word out of devotion because I want the seeds to be watered. And so when was the last time you got into the word? Setting time aside to get in the word. Uh, Here's another way. Are you praying? Are you spending time with Jesus Are you praying? Are you crying out to him as Lord and Savior? Are you praying? Are you talking to your father? See, many of us, and especially in a time like this, prayer tends to go out the window. We're so concerned with stats and updates and which level are we going to be on next week. And while those things are important and necessary, first speak to God. First cry out to him. And then the last one, you want to water the seed? Get in community. We say this week in and week out. Get in community. Get plugged in. We were never created to live in isolation. And so jump on a Zoom call. Initiate a WhatsApp call. If you don't know anyone, then reach out to us at community at rootedfellowship.com. Someone will get you plugged in. Why? Because we believe that God has beautifully designed us for fellowship. And so get in community. And when we're in community, God shapes us and molds us. 
It's when we are transparent before one another, when we are vulnerable before one another. This is how God grows us and transforms us. And so get into community. Don't believe the lie that, that, that no one will understand you. Don't believe the lie that the sin that you have committed is, is too great, too, too grand for, for the people of God to say, hold on, how can we come alongside you? And in doing so, pointing you to the one who forgives all sin. Get in community. Stop hiding. Get in community. And so those two questions, have you received and welcomed the seed? My prayer is that as we share the good news of the gospel, that it would land on good soil, soil that is cultivated, that is ready for the seed. Have you received and welcomed the seed? And then lastly, have you positioned yourself in such a way that you are receiving as much water as possible? Why? So that you might bear much fruit. In a sense, that's the parable. That's what Jesus presents to us. And he says, this is what happens when the presentation of the gospel has been made. And then we pray. We present and then we pray. Praying that the Lord would do the work that only he can do and save many. And so, Father, we come to you asking that you would do this very thing. That those who are watching or listening would hear these words, but they not, may not, they not be my words, but your words. That they would soften the hearts of those who are listening and watching. Lord, I pray for those who have crossed the line of faith. And maybe we found ourselves wandering on different paths. Lord, I pray that we would come back to you, that we would follow you, that we would want to be a disciple, your disciple. Where we have questions, Lord, I pray that we would come to the teacher, the greatest teacher that ever lived, Jesus Christ, that is you. And that all of us, Lord, all of us are in desperate need of a savior. And so would you meet us where we are? We thank you for your word. Pray that it would take root deep in our hearts and that we would be remembered as a people who bear much fruit at every season of life. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.